The vibration of change, that magical place where life shifts from struggle to ease, from stagnation to forward movement, from old ways of being to new ways of becoming. Yes, it can seem rather elusive to get there, but when you are in it, you feel it down to your very core, and it can positively affect everything in your life, from your relationships to your health and well-being, from your career path to your abundance, from the quality of your inner connection to the fullness of your self-expression. Here on The Christine Uptrich Show, we explore ways to get into that vibration of change with experts in the fields of consciousness, psychology, spirituality, health, healing, and science. Are you ready to step into your vibration of change? Welcome to The Christine Uptrich Show here on KKNW AM 1150 in the Seattle area, Transformation Talk Radio around the world. I'm really grateful you're joining us here today, and um, I'm very excited about our guest. It's somebody I, I didn't know about until recently, and I'm so grateful that um, I've discovered her. And I put discover in major quotes because she's widely known. Um, but before I introduce her to you, I want to say hello to Nathan, who is behind the technology today, substituting for Benny. Um, grateful you're here, Nathan. How are you? Hey, Christine. Good morning. I'm doing well. I'm glad to hear it. It's uh, it's another rainy day here in Seattle. It is, but, you know, we're kind of used to it. They say that uh, Seattle is probably the rainiest city in the city, but if you don't like the weather, wait 20 minutes, though it doesn't look like that's <laughs> going to be happening today. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I've am I'm been here for, what, 29 years, and I'm getting a little less used to it than I used to be. Oh. So <laughs> I, I long for sunshine. But we are going to have an interesting conversation today and before I tell you exactly who this is, I want you to hear what Elizabeth Gilbert, you know, author of Eat, Pray, Love and great blogger and author of other books, too, says about our guest. And our guest today is Irene O'Garden. She says, for many years now, the poet, playwright and memoirist Irene O'Garden has been a hero to me. I think of her as a walking, writing beam of light. It is my hope that numberless others will come to know her gifts and, most of all, her captivating talent for wonder and marvel. Um, And she is amazing. And if I read her entire bio, it would take us until the end of the segment. So I'm going to (laughs) just share briefly. Author Irina Garden, she's either won or been nominated for prizes in nearly every writing category, from stage to e-screen hardcovers, children's books, as well as literary magazines and anthologies. Her critically acclaimed Women on Fire played to sold-out houses at Off-Broadway's Cherry Lane Theater. O'Garden was awarded a pushcart prize for her lyric essay, Glad to be Human. Oh, I would love to talk to her about that. A seasoned and entertaining presenter both on stage and video, O'Garden has appeared at top literary venues in Manhattan and in London. Her newest book, which is Fabulous. I'm so excited to share this with you guys who are listening. Risking the Rapids, How My Wilderness Adventure Healed My Childhood. And she lives in New- in Garrison, New York with her husband, playwright um, John, I can't Peelmeyer. read, Peelmeyer, P- P- thank you, who wrote Agnes of God. I'm so grateful to have her here today, Irene Garden. Hi, Irene. Welcome. Hi, Christine. I am just delighted to be on your show. It's such a such a healthy thing you do, uh, sharing wisdom with the world in this way. Well, I'm so grateful to be able to, to talk to people like you who've been on their own journeys and have also been teaching and sharing. And, you know, I was um, kind of embarrassed that I had not heard of you before, but it's probably because of the genre of books that I typically read, you know, consciousness, uh, psycho-spirituality, you know, th- uh-huh. things along those lines. And you are definitely on that same path, and your writing is amazing. Oh, my goodness. I was just astounded, and I thought, as I read, read parts of this, I thought, I aspire to be half the writer that you are. It, it's just amazing. Uh, oh, many thanks. <laughs> it's a love of words is, uh-huh. is, is part of it. I think you just combine a love of words and the passion of what it is you're trying to say, uh-huh. and uh, and and how you can observe things, and you kind of mix those all up, and 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 you you shake them like a paradise, and uh-huh. <laughs> hopefully they they come out into a book, and if they don't, you go back and you uh-huh. tinker and you go back. So. It, but there is one other ingredient that I think is so important, and that is the rawness of your vulnerability and your your honesty. Um, that 
we often don't see in in some memoirs, even though people talk about their experiences, there there's aspects of it that you delved into that felt very deep to me, deeper than than usual. Um, and before we get into this this risking the rapids, you know, mm-hmm. your your wilderness adventure, can you tell us a little bit about your childhood? Because on the surface, it sounded kind of typical to me. Absolutely. The interesting thing is I was kind of born in the middle. I was born in the middle of seven children. Wow. uh, In in the middle of the country in Minneapolis, Uh which was a mid-sized city at the time. Uh, Born in the middle class in the middle of the 20th century. uh, Where I grew up was not urban or suburban. It was Mm -hmm. a kind of leafy neighborhood. Um, and, And... what was interesting is that the family, our family, looked pretty, uh, pretty great from the outside. My right. dad was a uh, television personality in Minneapolis. Uh, my mom was a very social creature. She loved, you know, fundraising, luncheons, and bridge club, and all that kind of thing. And um, and you know, in in the mid century, we were allowed to walk to school. We were allowed, you know, a kind of sense of autonomy uh, that it's difficult for children to achieve mm-hmm. today. Right. But uh, at the same time, uh, there were these kind of symptoms in the family. My parents both uh, were big martini drinkers. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, our our household it was a Catholic household, so it was very repressed in mm-hmm. some in some ways. And um, and my mother, uh, based on you know the upbringing that she had, was really not able to be very physically present or affectionate with us. Mm-hmm. And so all all of the children suffered in in various degrees. My my drug of choice was food, uh-huh. <laughs> so right. I I overate. I ate myself up to two hundred pounds and uh-huh. had body image and all that kind of. Uh, uh, food uh, food disorder issues and so mm. forth. Um, but I had, you know, a couple of siblings who developed problems with alcohol. I had sibling who had issues with chronic pain, another one with crippling anxiety. So when I started to write the book, it was sort of like family CSI, you know. <laughs> Let's investigate this and, and see who's responsible for all these, you know, discomforts and illnesses that we shared. And, of mm-hmm. course... Um, when, as as you know, when we carry the intention to to forgive into our explorations, we definitely find a way to do that. Um, right. The wilderness was most helpful to me in that regard, but I certainly uh, ha- had journeyed before that uh, toward toward the path of understanding and forgiveness, and, and right. uh, was able to come out the other side in in excellent health. I might add. <laughs> and. One of the things I think is so important um, as we reevaluate and process our childhood, and we, we tend to stay in, I don't know, I'm speaking for myself, I stayed in my woundedness story for a very long time, and it uh-huh. wasn't until I could sort of separate from it and get to this place of observer um, that it actually allowed me to shift and change. Yes, um, yes. So tell us a little bit about your decision to go on this trip in the wilderness? Well, it's interesting. I, I am not, <laughs> I'm not your high-risk go-getter type person, you know. Uh-huh. I, uh, I always avoided the skydiving and the rock climbing uh-huh. and the downhill skiing. <laughs> and, and that's essentially because I just want to see my life pass before my eyes that one time right. at the end, <laughs> where it's supposed to. Um, but my younger brother, Jim, uh, on the other hand, goes into the wilderness every year. He doesn't uh-huh. even carry first aid. And, and he's the kind of guy who will drink straight from the stream. Oh, wow. And his, his son, you know, I, I saw this on, on the wilderness journey. He'll say, hey, Dad, you got sick last time. And, uh, and he goes, well, yeah, that's how it goes. Oh, wow. Um, so he's he's very relaxed about risk in this way. Uh-huh. I, I think we're all we all have a different xylophone that we play uh, about risk. Right. And, and he's at one end and I'm at the other. So I, I'm not someone who who does this. But he goes out every year, and uh, a sibling of ours, one uh, who was a who was a rather problematic uh, fellow, mm-hmm. uh, died unexpectedly at the age of sixty-five, uh-huh. and. 
when we gathered for his memorial, uh, my younger brother Jim, the wilderness guy, and my younger sister Ro, whom I'm closest to in all the family, though I'm very close to most of my family members, um, we we talked about. He said, "Why don't you come back in the wilderness this year mm-hmm. with us? You know, come on our annual trip." And I was like, oh. "He said it's <laughs> going to be a float trip. Oh, We're going to that know, sounds gonna nice. Have, a float. We'll just go gently, <laughs> exactly. We we'll just go gently down. The the river's low at that time of year. Uh-huh. We'll we'll you know we'll 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 just kind of float. And so I thought, you know, I I, I love this brother. I knew that I was never going to understand him fully uh-huh. unless I saw him in his favorite place, right. which is the backcountry. And and we kind of agreed that this would be a way to sort of bring closure, uh, emotional closure, to this kind of difficult brother that we had. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're a family that does like to talk about itself uh-huh. <laughs> to one another. Uh-huh. So in spite of the fact that I had only done a couple of Girl Scout overnights, <laughs> and, right. uh, I had, you know, a Sunday afternoon on an inner tube floating down the Delaware River. That was my total uh, rafting, if you will, experience. I decided to go on this journey uh, to heal. And, you know, it wasn't my brother's fault. It wasn't my my nephews who also uh, joined us. It wasn't their fault. But the trip was much more harrowing than anybody was expecting. And we want to hear all about that. Um, it's it's an amazing journey. Uh, we'll talk about that at the, on the other side of the break. Sure. Stay tuned for more with Irene Garden. On the cutting edge of the new mainstream, Christine Upchurch is passionate about bringing together science, psychology, and spirituality in a way that can be applied to our everyday lives for true transformation. The Christine Upchurch Show, stellar conversations to illuminate your journey, engages some of the most outstanding visionaries on the planet in lively dialogue to inspire you to become that bright light you're meant to be. Join Christine every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time on KKNW, AM 1150, and Transformation Time. Talk Radio. If you have a sense that you are meant for more, join Heather Allison every third Tuesday at noon Pacific as she explores an ancient, forgotten energy within us and helps us access our original archetypal blueprint. The Golden Path will help you remember the key to unlocking your life, love, success, and magic you were meant for. A key to unlocking your Golden Path. Visit heather-allison.com. I'm Christine Upchurch, and this is a Stellar Reflections Minute. As a former research statistician, my scientific background is what many would call sensible. For more than a decade now, I have been working in the field of energy medicine, facilitating sessions and teaching around the world. People from the mainstream often ask me, how did a sensible woman like you end up working in such an alternative field? Implicit in their question is the underlying assumption that the field of subtle energy, such as energy healing and intuition, isn't sensible. But I believe it is very sensible. Even scientists are able to measure aspects of this. Approaching life from an energetic perspective brings us new opportunity for healing and transformation. And from a practical standpoint, even if you can't rationally explain how something works, if you experience a shift from it, then doesn't it make it pretty sensible? Please visit StellarReflections.com or call 425-999-9836. That's 425-999-9836. How many times do you find yourself saying, it was nothing? Next time someone tells you, great job, you'll know how to accept it and not deflect it by listening to Courage to be Seen Radio with host Sherry Clark. Sherry Clark is an experienced global engineering leader, coach, and mentor. From her experiences one-on-one coaching to corporate consulting and executive coaching, Sherry has learned many women need at least three things to discover and face success. Learn about the ACES program, how to survive male-dominated fields with grace and authenticity, and reach the top without ever once giving up on who you are. Courage to be Seen host Sherry Clark explores the awesome power of your entire self. Check out her website, CourageToBeSeen.com, and listen to the first Tuesday of the month at 11 a.m. Pacific with host Sherry Clark. You have the courage to be seen. See you later. How would you like increased health and vitality? How would you like to avoid the onset of disease as well as slow the aging process? This is all possible through a simple, safe, and natural process. 
Every day we are either moving toward wellness or away from wellness. Hi, I'm Mary Jane Mack. I'd like to be your partner in achieving optimal health. Contact me now at MaryJaneMack.com or call 425-392-0659. Visit MaryJaneMack.com. Welcome back to the Christine Eptrick Show here on KKNW and Transformation Talk Radio. I think that's the first time we've heard country and western coming in from a break on this show. <laughs> so, well, um, I think that's appropriate. <laughs> it is. It is. It's just like it, for this particular um, area and the adventure. Um, and this was an adventure in um, Montana, correct? Yes, yes. The, the Bob Marshall Wilderness, which is uh, the most remote area of the lower 48 states. Interesting. So Interesting. It, it, it took us a day, an 11-hour horseback ride to get to where we were going to start on the river. Oh, my um, goodness. They had to pack the rafts in on mules and our provisions and so forth. And then they rode back out, and we inflated the rafts and got on the rushing river. Oh, my goodness. So these were inflatable rafts. Yes. We had two big 12-foot, really massively heavy uh, uh, rafts and that we were supposed to be able to just sort of float down and fly fish from. And uh-huh. the minute we got in them, the river was rushing, big projectiles of sticks and bundles of debris that it collected, and the oh, river bands were like jabbing at our eyes and snapped. <gasps> Two of the fly fishing rods, the very first, within the first 15 minutes, we were on the river. So, oh my like, oh, goodness. this is going to be the trip we thought it was. So. Yeah, and it was probably too late to, like, get off and go back home. There was none of that. You could not make. Yeah. That was a choice that you can't make. Uh-huh. You know, you can't say, well, I'm not going to do this. You're, you're there. You're uh-huh. committed. Uh-huh. You're you know, and you're with family members. This is not the entire family by any means, but it uh, was my brother and sister and his sons and uh, a couple of other folks. And so these were not people I wanted to say, no, I'm not going. Uh-huh. You just go, oh, okay, I signed up for this. Uh-huh. So in what ways did that help you to heal your childhood? Well, uh, what's wonderful about the wilderness. I mean, the, 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 the most beautiful gift for me about it, I mean, other than just the splendor and the, and the you know, the rawness and the beauty of it, um, is that it, you can't use any of your childhood adjustments in the wilderness. You cannot entertain the wilderness. You cannot charm it or lie to it, uh-huh. uh, or, or do any of the, or you compete, you can't compete with it, you can't do anything except be present in it. Um, happily, you can't disappoint it either. Uh-huh. Uh, for those of us who come from families where we felt like we were perpetually doing that, uh-huh. um, you can only be absolutely present and deal with each thing as it comes up. And so, for example, if you are there in the wilderness with somebody mm-hmm. and they have, as happened to us, uh, they've directed you past the campsite that you were supposed to be camping at Ooh. and you are down the river, you cannot turn around and get to that campsite. Right. You are now past where you're supposed to be. Uh-huh. Now. You can be angry about uh-huh. that, uh-huh. Or, or you can curse at the storm that is hailing down on you, but that doesn't do you any good. You know, mm-hmm. so, I, yes, I, I believe in experiencing the emotion, but then you have to let it go uh-huh. because it's just going to get in your way of being able to paddle into the next moment. And that's such a great metaphor. It was an absolute physically experienced metaphor uh-huh. for family life. You know, right. yes, certainly feel what you're, what you need to feel, but then let it go because the rest of life is happening as you are, as you are going down the rapids, right. and you'll need your full wits about you, yeah. and or else it, your life might not continue. Yeah, well, that yeah, yeah, that's true. That's absolutely true, and it's also just. Just realizing, okay, a lot of that stuff does not matter. Mm-hmm. And when you, so the, the, the gift to me of the wilderness was, it, was perspective. And I think mm-hmm. that's something that it gives to all of us because when we get away from our ordinary lives and we, and we present ourselves 
into nature, mm-hmm. um, it, it gives us a, a, a different way of looking at our lives. And, and part of this, too, was the fact that it was a, a big risk to take this wilderness trip. Mm-hmm. And I am a believer in taking risks to grow. Uh, as I say, I, I didn't start out to be that girl, mm-hmm. right, right. <laughs> but, um, but I've definitely found that risk and, and even committing to taking a risk that's just slightly outside of our comfort zone mm-hmm. immediately enhances our self-esteem. And for those of us yes. who were brought up in households without that very important quality, mm-hmm. uh, it is something that we can foster in ourselves mm-hmm. by by choosing to take risks. Mm-hmm. So, and and whatever you know, whatever kind of risks they are, they might be, you know, a job risk or a, you know, um, an artistic risk or right. or a gym, a risk at the gym, uh-huh. you know. Yeah. And it sounds like your brother was very used to taking this type of risk, the one who <laughs> yeah. was sort of, you know, leading this float, and um, several of you were, were not. Um, for somebody like that, like your brother, would it, would it be important for him to tr- try a different type of risk? I think that's, that's a good, yeah, I think that's a good suggestion, because what happens with risk, and, you know, I was just looking at an article in Psychology Today the other day, where they were talking about, why it's important uh, to take risks, because um, there's this thing called habituation, uh-huh. meaning that the more we step outside of our comfort zone, the more we become habituated to taking a risk. Uh-huh. So if, if he has 45 years of going out into the wilderness, and by the way, uh, I will say this, he went out in the wilderness last summer and was thrown off a horse and broke his shoulder. Oh, and they, you know, but they didn't cart him out of the wilderness. He kept on the trip. He, you know, because oh, that's goodness. the way he rolled. Oh. So it, it's not that even a risk you're familiar with can can have different outcomes. Uh-huh. Um, but when we habituate ourselves to risk, each time we do that, we reduce our anxiety because each time we don't take a risk that we really want to take, uh-huh. it creates anxiety in us. And that's the opposite of the way that we want to live our lives. We don't want to live so the, in anxiety. So not taking it creates anxiety. That's a really important point. Yeah, so you kind of pick your anxiety. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, of course, for some, um, the what would be a much bigger risk would be, say, to go into therapy to face some of their oh, emotions. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so it, risk is different. For me, you know, I, I think I said this on the break, my idea of camping is the Holiday Inn. So this would be way out of my comfort zone. Um, and, you know, I've, I, too, have, like, floated down uh, a river. Yeah, I was in a canoe, and, and you know, the, it, the river was flowing, but not very fast. And, and I got very sunburned. That was the extent of the risk I took associated with that. But well, it's, still, you know, yeah. that, was, that was a good one. But I, I also don't think people have to take, like, whoa, way outrageous Risk. I mean, there, there, there's such a thing as a calculated risk. And so for me, at the age of 62, to take this trip, it was a big risk, but it was also cal- a calculated risk in that I, I went, well, all right, These, I would be going with people I love, so that's better than going off with uh, some strangers. Sure. Uh, and they have experience in the wilderness. And I think this is another thing that we find when we decide to take a risk – You'll find people to help. Right. You will find, if you really make a commitment, um, you have to take a risk yourself, but you don't have to do it alone. Uh-huh. So when we find the, the risk that we want to take, and, and I like to think of a risk as, as, as the tightrope that connects us between the, uh, to the thing that we want, Ooh. we walk the tightrope. But, but yeah. we don't walk, you know, no tightrope walker starts their their training period a hundred feet in the air, uh-huh. right? They I believe the tightrope is actually on the ground when you start. You get sure. used to the feel of the rope, mm-hmm. and then they bring it up uh-huh. little by little. But there's a trainer at your side, so there are ways to take to calculate risks that that make it possible for you to feel like you can grow in that direction. Uh-huh. But what's one thing that impresses me about um, your experiences? It seems to me 
you didn't start with that rope on the ground or even a foot <laughs> off the ground. You started with it, you know, 10, 20 feet up. And um, it, it's, it's impressive that you let go into that situation. Well, again, I think because I have taken different kinds of risks in my life, and that I go back to that idea then of, of habituation. You get used to the idea of, well, okay, this might be kind of uncomfortable, but, you know, it was really uncomfortable the first time I went into a spin class. You know, right. I was like, oh, I don't think I could do it. And I thought, I will never go back. Oh, I finished that first spin class. I was like, I will never go back. <laughs> well, ha, 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 that's like 17 years ago. It's my favorite workout. Oh, um, interesting. So you, you, you take a little step toward where you want to go, and uh-huh. then... And then you, you, it becomes possible for you to take other kinds of risks. Right. And I think it's really important when you say something like therapy, uh-huh. um, because definitely that, that was a very important part of my healing process. Mm-hmm. And, too, yeah. yeah. And, and, and I certainly recommend that as foundational to anyone uh, who is carrying still some wounds. Uh, somebody asked me the other day, why is it important for us to heal from childhood wounds? Mm-hmm. I, I, my jaw dropped. I was like, gosh, it never occurred to me that it wouldn't be a good thing. Yes. Um, but, of course, what happens when we are still carrying that pain, there are two things, I think, that happen that really don't help us. And one of them is we continue to reproduce uh, uh, situations that are familiar oh, from yeah. our childhood yeah. that we really don't like because that's, that's us putting it in front of ourselves again, okay, you're going to heal now, okay, you're going to heal now, you know, and uh-huh. so we keep, we keep creating that pattern, and so that's not helpful, and the other thing is, when we carry these wounds, even if they're unexamined, uh, it makes us afraid to look within, mm-hmm. because we're afraid we're going to be in pain when yes. we look within, and we can't see past the pain, yeah. because we're not aware of that larger self uh-huh. that and, is carrying us And through. those of us who've been on this journey, when we, we actually get to that point where we're looking at that thing we're so afraid of, we realize that it took so much more energy to avoid it and then to actually yes, face it and absolutely. embrace it. We absolutely. Have, we have to go to another quick break, but stay tuned for more about Risking the Rapids, how Irina Garden's wilderness adventure healed her childhood. I'm Peggy Snow with another Stellar Reflections Minute. Presence, or what we think of as being fully in the moment, is a key element in the process of healing work. As a practitioner facilitating a session, genuine presence takes us out of our heads where we tend to decide what is and maybe what should be for the client and moves us into direct experience where we're available to witness the person in their wholeness. In this receptive realm, our senses are heightened and expanded, allowing us to perceive what's seeking to unfold and to interact in the moment. There's something profoundly powerful that happens when healing is approached in this simple, pure way. Balance can be restored and healing can take place on multiple levels. If you'd like more information about the services we offer at Stellar Reflections, Visit us at StellarReflections.com or call 425-999-9836. That's 425-999-9836. Are you ready to consistently tap into the transcendent place where your whole being is available to you and act as a higher level of ability and performance physically, cognitively, emotionally, and effectively? Then join us on ClearSpeak Talk Radio with Dr. Jeanette Wolf on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Tune in every fourth Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern. Go to JeanetteWolf.com, Quantum Body, to sign up for your whole health mentoring. Are you ready to create a life you'll really love? Then you'll want to tune in to the hit show Life Design Radio from Adversity to Awesome with Susan DiLorenzo. Live each month on TransformationTalkRadio.com. No matter where you are in your adversity story, Life Design Radio has got you covered. Get ready to feel inspired, enlightened, and motivated. For more information about working with Susan, visit SusanDiLorenzo.com. Hey everyone, I'm Dr. Pat. Please, write this date down. 
Friday, April 26th from 3 to 7 p.m., the grand opening of Holistique IV Lounge, brought to you by Dr. Darvish and the team. Join us for an afternoon of celebration, special guests, raffle baskets, and by the way, your B12 shot or maybe your acupuncture treatment, maybe some reflexology, call 425-451-0404 and RSVP. On the cutting edge of the new mainstream, Christine Upchurch is passionate about bringing together science, psychology, and spirituality in a way that can be applied to our everyday lives for true transformation. The Christine Upchurch Show, stellar conversations to illuminate your journey, engages some of the most outstanding visionaries on the planet in lively dialogue to inspire you to become that bright light you're meant to be. Join Christine every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time on KKNW, AM 1150, and Transformation Time. Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Christine Upchurch Show here in KKNW and Transformation Talk Radio. I've got the author of Risking the Rapids, How My Child, How My Wilderness Adventure Healed My Childhood, um, Irene O'Garden, uh, an award-winning author. I'm grateful if you're just joining us here, you're going to be grateful too. And if you're continuing the conversation, can you continue to listen to the conversation? We're grateful to have you here. Um, I've got so many questions I want to ask you, Irene, but I want to give people a taste of your writing. And there's something on page 65 that just really struck me how profound and clear it is, This the way you communicate with words. Would you mind reading that section about your mother? Oh, sure, sure. Um, this is a section where I'm talking about my mother and and. What seems different about her than to other than other mothers? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it goes like this: I say the truth isn't found in the carbons of her letters, nor is it dramatic in an ordinary way. We're not hit. There's food on the table. We even have fun. But we're like the little monkeys with the wire mother. Mom's soft arms weren't for hugging, but for folding at her chest. Her mouth not for kissing but compressed in resignation, her chief expression in 30 years of snapshots. She could let life through her body, but not up against it. And all our bodies knew it. The distance a mother keeps from the bodies of her children is the distance they will keep from their own. I have seen her icy even with her own grandchildren, shudders sickening through her at their embraces and requests. I've seen her fidget with a baby on her lap as though he were a frozen tuna. Mom sprang from her own thorny landscape, a lonely girl longing for family, trained as the ladiest lady, all dainty napkins and luncheons, seashell soap, scalloped dishes, all that is breakable, linen, or white. Her heart is a cave of crystal we came crashing through. Children were her childhood dream, but her waking nightmare, dirty, boisterous, sneezing, laughing, screeching, farting, weeping, swearing. But no no child knows this kind of thing. She simply knows, no matter what, that it's her fault. That is so incredibly descriptive. It's like I, I, I could feel what you must have felt based on that description. And when we don't have a mother nurturing us um, in the ways that we need, it's, it's strange because it, it, particularly when life looks normal from the outside, Mm-hmm. And it actually looks normal on a, some rational sense on the the inside. Mm-hmm. Um, it I, f- I find that's even more confusing than if somebody's outright um, abusive. Uh huh. Yeah. At least then it's like, oh, well, okay. Boy, they really don't like me. That's you know. Right. <laughs> okay, I must be. Really, but it, it 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 took many years to even figure out that that's what was going on, uh-huh. and that and that you know our natural sense of. Of, of closeness, of motherhood, of humanity, mm-hmm. was 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 going. Something's missing here, but we couldn't articulate it. We mm-hmm. just could respond in ways to try to comfort ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious: um, Do your siblings have that same perspective about her? They certainly do now. Mm-hmm. Um, we did not, you know, we did not grow as we were growing up. 
so much. I mean, or it was a sort of gradual dawning uh, because it was very much in contrast to my father, who was who was physically affectionate with us, mm-hmm. um, and although a little harder on the the boys in the family than on the girls. Mm-hmm. So that was another <laughs> juggling act that went on. Right. Um, but but we are all we all kind of can laugh about it now because it's it's so obvious and so familiar and so you know mm-hmm. and so we just we make jokes about it. <laughs> right, right. And um, I know in the book you talk about how once you developed a close friendship and were going on overnights, typically you'd go to your friend's house instead of having your friend over to your house. Yes, yes. Our house was kind of embarrassing because it was messy mm-hmm. all the time. So. <laughs> right, right. And um, I know that based on my own experience with my own mother, that there were times when she would do things or say things that were, it seemed inappropriate to me, even though I, I couldn't put my finger on it as a kid. And I know that I would get embarrassed by some of the things that she did or said. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't until I got well into adulthood that I looked back and thought, oh, yeah, this this must have looked strange to some of my friends. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I know all about how it can be more comfortable in a different kind of situation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm curious, when you went on this uh, rapids trip, mm-hmm. did it change your family dynamic at all? You know, I think what it did was it bonded us all even more. Um, you know, we were pretty we were pretty bonded to begin with, but um, uh, certainly I did not know my brother's sons as well. And mm-hmm. two of two of his boys, two of Jim's boys went, and then a, a nephew of another brother of mine who brought his kids. Mm-hmm. So we all really became very close, and we've all at, really since since then, although we were starting to do it more, um, we make sure that we all get together for some happy event mm-hmm. uh, at least once during the year. Oh, because, that's great. You know, one of the things that's really clear, that was, that was clear at my brother's memorial service, mm-hmm. uh, is that, you know, you remember certainly the dear departed uh, at a service like that, but you're also aware of the ticking clock, mm-hmm. and yes. so, and we all really do love each other, uh, and 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 try to get together as often as we can. There is uh, one brother I'm sure uh, you're aware of after after reading the book, who has withdrawn himself from the family. Mm-hmm. I think many families have uh, someone who, for whatever reasons. Um, and he withdrew a long time ago. He kind of every now and again reaches out a little bit, but mm-hmm. not really. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so he is. We we all feel bad about this because he's missing out on all these great times we're having. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to be in the uh, San Francisco area uh, at, from April 29th to uh, to May 4th, um, doing a book book appearances and so forth in uh-huh. San Francisco and San Jose. And um, we're all then gathering in Reno after that to just have a little fun time together. Oh, so, yeah. um, and, but he's missing out on that. So, so that, yeah. that's sad. But I feel very much that, you know, if I got a phone call from him today, I mm-hmm. would pick it up and try and have a wonderful conversation with him. I, sure. I don't bear him ill will. Yeah. Uh, and we all, each of us do, do what we need to do in order to survive and thrive as best we can. And sometimes that means um, avoiding things that are painful. It's not necessarily the healthiest approach. Um, right. Or and sometimes it, it, it means creating a, a different kind of family, a, a family that's not, you know, blood relatives. So Absolutely. It's, it's yeah, we, we each have our own journey. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm curious. You're very open and honest about aspects of your family. Mm-hmm. How did your siblings feel about this? Well, I think that's a great question, Christine, because uh, it kind of goes back to talking about risk. Um, it, was, it, it took me a long time, first of all, to write the book. Uh-huh. Um, uh, p- portions of it were written before uh, the wilderness journey, so it really did liberate me in in a number of ways that journey. But um, I was terrified that I was going to hurt people mm-hmm. by trying to write this book. Sure. I was terrified that 
What if they never spoke to me again? What if I this? What if I that? And it, and it held me back for a really long time. And finally, I just went, well, you know what? I can write it and then never show it to anybody or I can whatever. Well, uh, you know, that's, that's not. Uh, that 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 was not a good solution for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did. Um, I I had a wonderful editor on this book uh, before I even brought it to the publisher, and she said, "Whatever you do, don't show it to your family members before it's published, because mm-hmm. I've seen it happen too many times. People do this, and uh, it blows up in their face. There, you know, they, people say, no, you can't publish this, and the, the, the author gets all crumpled and." So I said, well, sorry, I, I, I need to do this because I love these people and, you know, I, I don't want them to feel like I don't care about them because mm-hmm. I'm not. And I showed it to family members before it was published, and, um, and for the most part, everybody was on board with it. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a couple of uh, instances that somebody said, well, I think this happened differently, and I said, well, no, I think it happened this way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we kind of went back and forth a little bit, but... Um, but no harm done at all, and uh, we're all. Uh, what has happened? What's interesting? Uh, what's happened since then is just we've all just gotten closer, and and they all seem to be really happy that the book is out in the world, and uh-huh. that I'm doing readings, and 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 so I think it's been a very healing thing for us all um, as as family. And um, from my perspective, I think it's an important story to share. Not just because of the benefits of the, of taking those risks, and and you know that's that's something that you explore, and and I know we've talked a little bit about it today. But for people who had dysfunctional childhoods, who didn't really recognize the reason for their unease, the reason for some mm-hmm. of the childhood trauma, because they weren't abused, you know, verbally, right. they they weren't um, beaten, um, they so it's. It's an important thing to share, and I'm grateful you are. We have to go to another quick break, but stay tuned for more with Irina Garden. I'm Christine Upchurch, and this is a Stellar Reflections Minute. Years ago, when facing cancer, without any immediate treatment options, I sought healing by making various life changes. For a while, I followed a very restrictive diet. I often found myself obsessing about which foods were good and which ones were bad. Then one day, I realized I was consuming foods based on fear fear of not getting well. But I didn't want to make choices out of fear anymore. I decided it was far better for my immune system if I allowed myself to experience the joy that came from, say, eating frozen yogurt, than it was for me to ingest the fear that came from avoiding it. Now, instead of choosing healthy habits based on fear, I try to make choices because they feel right and ultimately bring me joy and ease. How many of your healthy habits are really based on fear? Please visit StellarReflections.com or call 425-999-9836. That's 425-999-9836. Calling all moms. It's time to awaken your vibrant, intuitive, loving self in every area of your life. Join host Debbie Pokornik as she shares thoughts, stories, and tools to help you stand in your power. Listen to Vibrant Powerful Moms Helping Everyday Women Create Extraordinary Lives, Mondays at 2.30 Pacific, 5.30 Eastern. For more information about Debbie, visit EmpoweringEnergy.com. That's Empowering with letters N-R-G.com. Awareness is universal. Establishing a living awareness through meditation brings peaceful, healthy, and creative well-being into your everyday life. The practice of living awareness, Spirit Fire's own meditation practice, is built on this belief and is designed for every level of practitioner. Each year, Spirit Fire hosts living awareness meditation retreats that allow you to explore the practice in depth at our retreat center in beautiful Western Massachusetts. Introduce yourself to meditation and the practice at the Foundations Retreat. Attend, in silence, a silent meditation retreat focused on mindfulness, presence, and nature. Or be engaged with the meditation sittings themselves at the Deepening Retreat. Start adding to your awareness and attend a meditation retreat designed to cultivate consciousness in your everyday life. For details on attending a Living Awareness Meditation Retreat, visit upcoming events at www.spiritfire.com. Have you been seeing numbers like 111 and 222 everywhere you go? Do you feel that the universe may be trying to get your attention, perhaps offering a message of some sort? As it turns out, numerical patterns and certain types of geometry form the very fabric of our reality. 
from cells under a microscope to the astronomy of our night sky. At Stellar Reflections, we offer special sessions which tap into these patterns, designed specifically to support you on your journey. The 111 and 222 activations are sessions activating new patterns in your energy field, which in turn can help you create new patterns in your life. After just one session with a practitioner, either in person or via distance, clients report gaining greater clarity, becoming more intuitive, and honoring their inner truth as they move forward in their lives. Curious about what these transformational sessions might do for you? Call 425-999-9836 or visit StellarReflections.com. That's StellarReflections.com. Welcome back. We are here with Irene Garden, and this hour is flying by. Before we go any further, I want um, people to know how they can connect with you, how they can learn more about your, your, your books, your poetry, your anthologies, and your events. Absolutely. Uh, you can go to my website, irenogarden.com. That's without the apostrophe because uh-huh. uh, websites don't like that. Uh, and it's so, so I-R-E-N-E-O-G-A-R-D-E-N, just like garden. garden. Mm-hmm. Yes, irenogarden.com. You can uh, connect with me, Irene Garden Poet and Author, on Facebook. Uh, and my Instagram is iogarden. So um, there are all these different ways, and that's how you can kind of keep up with my schedule. Um, I have, as I mentioned before, uh, I'm going to be in the San Francisco area, San Jose, from April 30th uh, to May 3rd. I have uh, several appearances at bookstores. I'll be on, I think, New Dimensions Radio as well while I'm out there. Mm -hmm. And I just found out I'm going to be in Missoula, Montana, over Memorial Day weekend as part of an International Women's Theater Festival that I participated in some years ago, and they asked me to come back, so I'll be doing some readings there as well. Wonderful. Now, I know that um, you've evolved to sort of create a a different kind of belief system than you were raised with in certain ways, and I know that based on what you said in the book, that you accessed those beliefs within the context of taking the risk and, you know, on these rapids. What were some of the beliefs that helped you to, to deal with the fear, and um, uh, you know, sort of letting go to what unfolded? Uh, the, I think the principal belief, and uh, I am a Seth reader from way back, uh-huh. uh, so that was my first, uh, uh, the first, I, I had did a lot of seeking before then, but that was a vocabulary that completely suited me, because uh-huh. I was brought up in a wordy household, I love right, words, and right something I'm very grateful to my family for is that appreciation of words. Um, so, but the, the first time I ever heard you create your reality, mm-hmm. the present is your point of power, I was like, wow, uh-huh. well, what if that were true? And I've been using that as a sort of hypothetical thing. It doesn't really matter whether it's true. Uh-huh. It's what if you're actually believing that, what does that do to your experience? Mm. So you go, well, if I'm creating my reality, uh, boy. So uh, I began to, like, chant it while I was on the elliptical and, uh-huh. and kind of make it part of my daily walks. And I, yeah. I've done this with other uh, phrases and so forth that I wanted to incorporate into my physical being so that when we are in a situation that we can't even think, we have those at our fingertips. Right. So what happened to me on this wilderness journey, repeatedly, but I'll give you just one specific example. Um, it was sort of at the height of absolute discomfort. It had been pouring rain. It had poured you know, hail on us. It was freezing. We were in this freezing water, and we were trying to get uh, to the to past the beach and up to an area to camp. Mm-hmm. And one of the dangers of this trip were the big, round, algae slick rocks, ankle oh, right. breakers. Yeah. We call them ankle breakers. And, and, and my sister is cold is just the worst thing for her. So she is just off. On, I can't help her. I'm, I'm just trying to get her to a warm place. And, and, but we're stepping over these things, and I'm going, oh, God, please, I don't want mm. to fall. I don't want to break my ankle. And mm. I go, no, wait, no, that's not, don't focus on what you don't want. Right. Um, focus on what you want, which is a good habit to get into. Yes. And so I just started chanting, I create my reality. The present is my point of power. Mm-hmm. I create with every step. I create my reality. The present is my point of power. And I just simply created a safe passage 
across these rocks. And I, that's just a tiny example of, I think, what we can do for ourselves all the time. Sometimes we, we are hit with, shall we say, ankle-breaking headlines, sure. right? Yes. Important for us not to go there. Important for us to say we are creating reality where people are in contact and loving, uh, sharing with mm-hmm. one another. We are creating a new kind of world right now, no matter what it is we're seeing in the, in the old shoddy uh, reflection. Yes. Uh, we, are, we are creating something new here and very important for us it's, to remind ourselves. It's really important. And one of the things that, that you talked about on your trip and is that you were letting go to the situation. And I think that we also need to let go to what is to get to that next place of creating mm-hmm. what we want. So it's this, mm-hmm. it's this balancing act. Yeah. Okay. This time's flying by, and I really want to touch upon something that happened with your mother. Your mother got your mother, who was icy cold, as you said, um, got Alzheimer's near the end of her life, and you yeah, had an interesting did. interaction with her. Can you share quickly uh, with our listeners what about what happened there? Um, my mother, uh, first of all, became a much more warm and affectionate person mm-hmm. when she had Alzheimer's. So I, I don't judge Alzheimer's. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I say people have their own journeys, and that was hers, and I'm very glad that she was able to experience what that was like to be a warm and responsive person before uh-huh. she left physicality. She began to, of course, lose her um, capacity to, you know, put sentences together mm-hmm. really uh, clearly and sure. so forth. But I would go and visit her and and be there in the present moment with her. And one day, I, she would have moments of lucidity come in and out. And one day, uh, we were just, I brought her a little piece of coffee cake, and uh, we were sitting there, and she said, you know, you chose me. Mm. And, and I was like, well, that's interesting, because, yes. of course, in my belief system, we do choose our parents right. for whatever spiritual reasons we have, but I had never discussed that with her. And, and I said, well, I, I know that, Mom. I, I did choose you. Uh-huh. And she said, I, I was a bad mom, wasn't I? Or I was a bad, I was a bad one. And I said, well, you know, uh, I learned a lot from mm-hmm. you and all that. And, and, and we had just this very loving exchange. So I feel that uh, as long as we carry that intention with mm-hmm. us um, and as long as we try to be present for people uh, in the best way that we can be, and it was not to say everybody, you know, there are some people you may have to just take out of your life. That's, right. you know, mm-hmm. it's not true for everyone. But if you, if you do carry that and you do find that your journey is continuing with someone, um, be open to that larger stance. And sometimes you yeah. will find that people um, intuit it. Yes. Whether or not they can articulate it. Yeah, beautiful. We've come to the to the end of the line, unfortunately. Um, Irene O'Garden, Risking the Rapids. Irene, thank you so much for joining us here today. What a pleasure. Thank you, Christine. And to listen to the replay, go to christineupchurch.com. Thanks for joining us here today. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you'd like to empower yourself to step further into your vibration of change, please visit my website at christineupchurch.com where you can learn more about my insights, upcoming events, and private sessions.